0: Welcome to the News sports podcast. I'm here again with Austin Huff. Uh, This is sports editor Greg Kime. Austin's in the studio with us and we're going to celebrate tomorrow. We've got an important birthday from somebody of the member of the podcast, Sheila Selman, our producer, our fearless producer who keeps us online, keeps us going on time, celebrated her birthday. What was 21 yesterday, Sheila? <laughs> okay, that's what I thought. Hopefully, Sheila got on the
1: podcast there. You could hear her voice faintly. She said yes. She agreed with twenty one. That's, that's so. the first time I think Sheila has ever voiced her voice. That sounds weird uh, to say, voiced her voice on the podcast. Uh, yeah, yeah, happy belated birthday, Sheila. Thank you again for uh, organizing this podcast for us to kind of vent about our thoughts of local sports and national sports and whatever. Mm-hmm. So uh, we appreciate that. So.
0: And Austin, we had kind of a strange occurrence in high school football Friday night. Well, I mean... Actually, we we actually had a game where you started it on Friday night, <laughs> and I had to finish it on Saturday because of your commitments to Notre Dame. I would call it strange, but this is
1: 2020, so it was very normal. It,
0: uh, <laughs> it, yeah, it fits the bill.
1: And you know, just when you thought you had seen it all, um, yeah, the power went out at Jake Field Friday night at Concord. Not just that the power went out, the transformer blew up and caught on fire yes i mean the fire department was there friday night having to put out Um, a fire i found
0: out from talking to rob miller (laughs) the assistant ad over there saturday morning when i was there for the completion of the game it was a transformer that was right across the road by the tennis courts yeah he said we're standing there friday night and he said all of a sudden the lights start flickering and he said they couldn't figure out what was going on and all of a sudden the fire department took off and they said, fire, fire. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, it was strange. So, the, so it was kind of funny. It was almost like a precursor. There was like a moment in the second quarter where they actually stopped play for a second because the fire trucks like zoomed by and made really loud noises. Like you couldn't even hear yourself think. And it was like, well, that was kind of strange. And then literally... Less than an hour later, the power goes out at the field. And it was like, what is going on? It was right in the middle of a play. I mean, literally, the Wawasee quarterback, Parker Young, is throwing the ball. And as he let lets go of the ball, the power went out. I mean, you could not have timed it any better or worse, depending on your viewpoint of that play. Because yeah. it looked like Wawasee was going to get a first down. And they were kind of driving. And, and it was like, it was a 21 7 game. So it wasn't out of. You know, it wasn't like it was the game was a you know on a already been decided right. Yeah. The Warriors were right there. I mean, like they they're, they had made a costly mistake to start the third quarter, threw a pick, and then on the next play Concord had scored. So, Minutemen had momentum, but was he was still in it. This was definitely a game. Like it was there, yeah. and boom, power goes out, complete darkness. Only the li- only light source is the parking lot lights, and those got eventually turned off or went out anyway too. And it was just a total disaster. Uh, they, they waited about 20, 25 minutes or so. And then just said, we got to come back on, we can't fix this right now. We got to come back Saturday morning. Um, I think it's the first time I've ever written the word exasperated in a story from a coach. He just said, John Rudabuck, from Waukesha was like, I'm just exasperated. Like that was the emotion after the game. And, and I asked Craig Kaler, the Concord coach, what his emotion was after the game. He just said, of course. Like, that was his emotion. Of course. That's, just, that's what it is. It's 2020, man. Just when yeah. he, he was like every week, hot Quarters had something, right? They didn't play week one. They're playing a, a team with a new coach in week two. They're playing a team with a new quarterback in week three. The power goes out in week four. I mean, like, and now they're going to play Goshen this week, who's only played one game, right. hasn't played in two weeks. The one game Goshen played was against South Bend Clay. So, how much can you take from that, really? Right. I mean, like, Craig Kaler and the Concord haven't had a normal week at all this year, and we're almost through halfway the season. Half the season, it's unbelievable. Like yeah. they can't win, man. And they did. I mean, they did win. I, like they literally can win. They're two and one, but like they can't win in that sense. They
0: can't get a break on you know right on things and, happening. And,
1: and I and I think Greg Craig or Craig Greg. I'm getting Craig and Greg all confused up here. I think Greg, that continuation on Saturday might have been the quickest 16 minutes of football ever played.
0: It was because, and I don't, I don't want to de- downgrade either team, but to me, it looked like neither one of them were really enthused <laughs> about being there on Saturday morning to to finish this game. Yeah, because it was pretty, pretty lackluster.
1: Yeah, I don't think either coach was super thrilled to have to finish the game. Right. I'm fr- I'm, at least from when I talked to both after the game Friday night. Friday night, it was also very weird to do a post game interview. For a game that hadn't ended yet, so that was a strange occurrence for right. me. I asked Rudabuck, uh the Wabasee coach, just about you know like some of the specifics of the game that were going on, like a, the touchdown play, and he's like, "Well, I don't wanna really want to give away too much because the game isn't over yet." Right. It's like, well, that's fair. I mean, that's fair. You don't want to give away what you're trying to do, you know. So, uh, yeah, just when I just when I thought I had seen everything, and uh, that that happened, it was like, okay. Another thing to add to the things of 2020 that I didn't think I was going to write about, right. uh, but here we are it's
0: so. I can remember football games being cut off or delayed the next to Saturday because of weather, mm-hmm. lightning and stuff, but there haven't been too many in my experience that have been with power outages like that
1: right and like obviously like a power outage isn't something that's I mean, it's rare, but it's not like unheard of. You see, you'll see other games like even nationally. Heck, a Super Bowl had to be delayed because of a power outage. Remember (laughs) that, right? (laughs) In New Orleans a couple years ago. Um, So it's not out of the question, you know, realm of possibility. But it was just—it's just just, rare. It just felt so peak 2020, right? For that to happen in the middle of a play, where it was like, "Are you serious?" Like, uh, it was unbelievable. So I
0: I did joke with Rob Saturday morning too. I said, Hey, that's a heck of a field home field advantage to turn the lights off <laughs> as the opposing <laughs> team's players is getting ready to catch the ball for a pass, you
1: know. It was working they knew that Wallace was gonna score a touchdown on that
0: play, so they had to cut him off right away. And so. he did tell me that they had an experience like that once before the game I think he said they were playing Fort Wayne Carroll. Mm-hmm. Where the lights went out in the middle of a play, though Carol was running a play. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe maybe it's part of the strategy so over I, there. I, I don't know. I don't know. We'll have to investigate that. Yeah. So. That's a heck of a home field advantage.
1: <sighs> well, Friday night football didn't end until Saturday morning for Concord and Wallace. See, it right. did end on Friday for Basically every other team in the state. Right. Um, Greg, you were over at uh, Fairfield. I was over at Fairfield. What were and we also
0: saw a lot of fire trucks there, too. <laughs> I think they had every emergency vehicle in Benton Township there Friday night to because it was senior night. Mm-hmm. And they had everyone out there of them lined up as the players were coming out of the field, the Falcons, and blaring their horns and <laughs> sirens at full blast and everything. And it was
1: Loud, wow. yeah. I'm surprised. I'm surprised I didn't hear hear you up in Dunlap, man. It was It sounded it looked like a show. I, I figured you <laughs> probably could, uh, and that, the, yeah. When the game started, Fairfield won 44 13. Uh, what were some of your takeaways, Greg? Falcons 3 0, first Falcons, time since 2012.
0: They've got some talent on that team. Mm-hmm. I, I knew, I was pretty sure when and Matt Thacker took the job, he'd be able to turn that program around. I mean, yes, he won 0 for this first season there, but. You know that happens sometimes to new coaches, but he's got those kids. He's got a really good junior class, mm-hmm. and with some talent, those kids can play. And he's also got some good seniors too. Yeah,
1: Corey,
0: two of the two of the seniors that had good nights for him was the linebacker Nathan Kleindienst, who scored Fairfield's first touchdown actually on an interception return in the second period. Fairfield's leading 16-6 to at halftime, so it's still a close ball game. Mm-hmm. They kick off. Fremont comes out and fumbles the ball on their first play. Kleindienst recovers it. Fairfield goes in and scores. They get the ball back again on another turnover, and they, they scored two touchdowns in 17 seconds Wow! in that game. And the, the lead went from 16-6 at halftime to thirty one to seven or thirty one thirty seven to six at the end of the third quarter. Yeah. And it was, you know, pretty much over with by that point.
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah. Both teams obviously had a late score there to kind of finish up the scoring. But right. yeah. yeah. And the other
0: guy that had a good game was their running back Carson Abr- Abraham Abramson. Mm-hmm. Abramson. That's Abramson. a Abr- tough one to pronounce Abramson, yeah. yeah. It's it's
1: interesting. Who's a
0: running back and a linebacker. In fact Thacker said after the game, he's our go-to guy. He said, if I had to name an MVP of the team right now, it would be him. Hmm. Because he said, he's the type of guy, he said, you've got to respect the dive play in their option offense when he's on the field. He said, if you don't respect that play, he's going to get three, four, five yards every carry. And he said, we're going to march down the field and score. He said, I don't care if it takes 10 minutes for it to do it, (laughs) but he's going to get the ball in the end zone. Right. Plus, he's also their leader on defense from his linebackers position. So, mm-hmm.
1: yeah, uh, I I've been impressed with them. I and mean, Corey Lance obviously had a good game. The quarterback as well. And they're three and zero. And and uh, yeah, going, they're
0: going down to West Noble this Friday night.
1: Right, which is a you know, very winnable game. Uh, yeah. West Noble zero and four. They just lost to Angola forty one nothing on Friday. Uh, So, obviously, West Noble's kind of in a rebuilding year. A lot of younger players, when you lose everyone like they lost, it's going to be a tough season coming back. But, you know, Fairfield has a chance to go 4-0. You know, it's right there, very attainable. And and their sectional, too. I mean, I'm looking at their sectional standings, you know, right now. Like, obviously, that sectional is going to be very tough with Eastside in it. Eastside, uh, uh, top 10 team in the class of 2A. Mm -hmm. But. With the way Fairfield has been playing offense and defense, especially running the ball, you know, taking time off the clock, things like that. Hey, I'm not. Say, I'm not gonna say right now they're gonna win a sectional title, but they're definitely they got to be the second best team in that sectional as of right now. And they're yeah. they're gonna be right there. And they they played Eastside last year for the sectional title. If the bracket falls their way, that could be the rematch. Um, you know, mean is, that.
0: Blind draw bracket that you love so much. If the bracket falls their way, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because it doesn't matter how
1: good you are if you get East Side drawing in the first round, you know, who knows. That's so it. But I like I like their I like that uh that sectional. Damn. The sectional that when actually the, I wanna hit on. I don't know if you got do you have one more point? Yeah. yeah I
0: I just wanna bring up a funny point. When I went into the game Friday night, I saw Fairfield Mark director Mark Hofer there and I told him I said, Whatever you do. Keep the clock running tonight because it was, it was a seven thirty kickoff for that game, which is a half hour later than normal. Right. Our deadlines—that's really pushing our deadlines on Friday night. Mm-hmm. So I said, "Keep the clock going as fast as you can." He says, "Wow." He said, "We'll be lucky if we throw three or four passes in the whole game." <laughs> I think they ended up throwing seven or something like mm-hmm. that. But Lance threw two touchdown passes in the game too.
1: Yeah. Technically, so, your technically your game finished before mine. So, I mean, yeah, they did they did <laughs> both teams did a
0: pretty good job of keeping the clock even, moving.
1: I think even with my delayed ending, I think your game still might have finished before mine, even. That was crazy. It was yeah. just crazy to think about, so. Yeah. Uh, one game that did finish quickly because of a running clock, Northridge and Plymouth. Yes. Raiders opened up their new Interra field, beautiful turf and uh shut out Plymouth 44 nothing. And Northridge is still the only team now in the state Eight. to have not been scored on. They're up 106 to nothing on the in right. the, on the season so far.
0: And that, I think the week before there had been four teams. They were one of four teams in the state mm-hmm. that had been that had not been scored on. So now they're the last team left.
1: Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah, I mean, yeah. really is incredible what they're doing this year. And they got a great defense. They only gave up 174 yards total offense for Plymouth in the game, uh, which is you know, a pretty good number, you know, obviously. So mm-hmm. and their running game too is super impressive. Two hundred and sixty seven rushing yards on defense. So they're they're milking the clock, and then when they're on defense, they're not allowing anyone to go anywhere. Right. So uh they play
0: Warsaw they this play week. play Warsaw this week. Big game. That, yeah, this this could be a little Warsaw's three and one right now and their only losses to Michigan City by a score of forty one to twenty one. Mm-hmm. And Warsaw's averaging 32.8 points per game on offense, but they're giving up 30.5 mm-hmm. points per game on defense.
1: Right. I mean, you saw that so. firsthand, basically, this past Friday for Warsaw. They beat Mishawaka forty 40-32, so high-scoring game. And, you know, for an offense like Warsaw that runs the triple option with Bart Curtis as the head coach, 40 points is a lot, you know, to get. Usually those teams, you know, score 21, 28 or whatever. Yeah. So 40, 40 points is interesting. This will be a definitely the biggest challenge for the Northridge uh, defense so far this season. Right. So
0: and, uh, Northridge has lost two in a row to Warsaw. The last time Northridge beat Warsaw was back in two thousand seventeen. Mm-hmm. They beat them twenty four to six at Warsaw. Mm-hmm. The last time they beat Warsaw in Middlebury goes all the way back to two thousand six. Wow! They hey. shut them out twenty eight to nothing.
1: That's actually kind of crazy to think about where it's like you can't <laughs> they, they almost have a harder time beating them at home than they do on the road which is interesting it's, yeah you know I know you're not traveling that far in high school sports but still it's a road game getting on a bus and everything and just interesting to look at so and I wanted to, and I wanted to mention something about just to go back to that yeah. Concord game for a minute here, yeah. that was
0: one of Craig Kaler's first quotes mm-hmm. after the games uh, ended on Saturday he said at least we didn't have to get on the bus for this one. Yeah, yeah.
1: Rudabuck Friday night was like, man, like we got to, now we got to backtrack everything from 11 a.m. to like, okay, when should we get on the, when should we stretch, when should we get on the bus? Like that was, I didn't, uh, C had no, I, I wasn't, uh, they weren't in a good position, C no. coming back on right Saturday. So no. I just want to make much something quick too about Northridge and, and kind of in general with you know, we have talking about Fairfield sectional. This sectional that Northridge is in right now, I don't know if you've looked at some of the standings of these teams. Yes. Of the eight teams, seven of them are at least 500 or better as of right now. The only one that's below 500 is DeKalb. They're 0-1 because they've had games canceled for covid you have Northridge who's 3 and 0, East Noble 3 and 1, Columbia City 4 and 0, Angola 2 and 0, Leo 3 and 1. Northwood is 1 and 1, a good team too. They beat a good Concord team and lost by 1 to East Noble. I mean, right. East Noble, Leo, Columbia City are all ranked. Northridge is just outside the top 10 in the coaches poll. Northwood just outside the top 10 of the coaches poll. I mean, who that sectional man? And like Wauwatosa is not a pushover. They're two and two. They got a good defense. I mean, they're going to be yeah. a tough out for anybody. Man, that sectional is, yeah, is looking loaded. really, really tough. Whoever wins that sectional, I mean, you earned it. That's for sure this year. I mean, yeah. it's going to be really, really tough to get
0: out of that. So, and uh, one thing about Plymouth, I researched over the weekend. Here, they're off to an zero and four start, which is so unusual. Down at that school, the last time they started a season, zero and 4, 1938. Yeah, wow.
1: <laughs> I'm going to just go on the record and say neither you or I or Sheila were around. I'm
0: guessing. Well, no, Sheila's that. only twenty one, so right. of course she wasn't there.
1: Right, and I'm as a as a, as a twenty five year old, I definitely was not there either. So right, yeah, and uh, yeah, so some interesting results uh, from Saturday. A lot of teams, you know, making statements. I thought Fairfield. That was kind of a statement when Just say, hey, we're, you know, we're beating the teams we're supposed to beat. You right. know, Northridge as well. Like we're taking it to the teams we're supposed to beat. You know, obviously, again, they lost by three touchdowns, but it was closer. It was a close game, and obviously, fluky situation there with the lights, and who knows what happens in the yeah. rest of the game if it plays out Friday night. Um, so yeah, and this week we have the return. The all. Mighty return of the Goshen Redhawks finally. Right.
0: Uh, after two weeks of COVID cancellations, they will be. I've not heard of officially that they, but they were supposed to go back to practice on Saturday. Right. And I haven't heard anything, so I'm assuming they did go back Saturday. Yes. It's and going to be interesting to see how they've handled these two weeks off. Mm hmm.
1: Yeah, then they go to Concord. You know, never, well, never an easy team to beat. You know. Yeah. And
0: then they go to Warsaw, and then they go to Warsaw,
1: right? It's like Murderers uh, Row. You know.
0: Yeah. I, I think I mentioned this last week. They're not scheduled to have a home game until October second. guys Northridge, year. right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, it will be interesting, you know. Conc- now, Rob,
0: Rob Miller did joke Saturday, he said that if we can't get our lights fixed, we may end up having to play at Goshen Friday night. <laughs> now, that would be something. Now, that
1: would be something. If they can't get it fixed within the week.
0: That would um, just be more 2020.
1: Yeah, that would be very 2020. Uh, so, <laughs> Concord is going to be interesting. You know, they got a couple good players. Uh, I was impressed with Will Odiambo, the running back for them on Friday night. Uh, will they have, which quarterback will be playing is an interesting question, Hunter Dutton did not play the second half for Concord on Saturday, or Friday and Saturday. Now,
0: Craig did say Saturday morning that it was a sprain. Yeah, And it was not sprain broken. An, Sprained ankle. Sprained ankle yeah. was not broken, so I think he's expecting him back. Right,
1: But Kinsman, you know, the backup, he showed good arm strength on Friday night. He threw he a did. 33-yard touchdown pass, and he, he looked very comfortable back there. Did not look like a backup quarterback in the plays that I saw him play. So you know, I think Concord's in good hands no matter who they play there at quarterback. So it, it's you know, like I said, it's going to be an interesting game. Concord doesn't have much to base off of when looking at Goshen. You know, Goshen those coming off two weeks and not playing. So it's yeah, you know, it goes both ways here. Of like what, so, who knows what to expect? You know, it's it's going to it's, be a it's, it's going a, to be a yeah. sloppy probably a sloppy game. Maybe who knows? I mean, it's going to be interesting. So. Yeah. Good games this week too. Another game that
0: intrigues me a little bit on the the Friday night schedule is the Elkhart Lions, yeah, who are ranked number nine in the six A poll this week, Mm -hmm. hosting the Penn Mm. Kingsman. Elkhart (laughs) is three and zero on the season. Penn is two and two. Right, but before you think that's a bad two and two record, their two losses have been to. Valparaiso, by the score of 17-16, right. who's ranked number two in the Class 5A poll this week. And Indianapolis Cathedral, you know, by a 52-7 score, which is kind of shocking mm-hmm. for a pen loss. But Cathedral is ranked number one in the 5A poll.
1: Yeah, I mean, Cathedral is just absolutely loaded this year
0: they're yeah they're, <laughs> they're probably small college teams that they could beat I would think
1: yeah yeah they they might be able to beat Trine. yeah who knows but hey no, was. Good. I'm just saying I'm just saying uh yeah losing to cathedral this year is not bad like by any no. stretch so it's another solid pen team and this is another test for Elkhart I mean they they it went is. they went to Columbus East a couple weeks ago and put a whooping on them played Washington on Friday that was expected to be a blowout and they handled their business against South Bend Washington Derek
0: Woods in that game scored five touchdowns for the Lions he's just not
1: fair right now he is really playing well for them Uh, and so this will be another interesting test for Elkhart you know Penn is that historically strong team uh, in this area you know it's it's a it's a benchmark type game almost for a new program and you know, things like that. So it yeah. will be a very interesting contest, I think. I, there. I didn't
0: have time to look it up uh, uh, because I thought about this too late before the podcast started here. But I wonder, I'm going to go back and look and see what the old Elkhart High School's record is against Penn. I wouldn't be surprised if it's either winning or very close to 500 because mm-hmm. back in the day, Elkhart was, a, you know, when it was one high school before they split into Central Memorial, was a state football powerhouse, and the Kingsmen were, you know, still learning the, <laughs> learning the sport, I guess, is what I'll say. Right,
1: for lack of a better term. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's going to be a very interesting game. Um, you also have games like Wallacee at Northwood. Wall- Northwood coming off a week off because of the Goshen cancellation. Sea, right. you know, again, coming off a weird game uh, where they didn't have, you know, it was just a weird game and uh you know what you know how will they be able to react you know they've lost two in a row now both conference games you know will they how will they be ready to go against Northwood uh Warsaw Northridge we hit on you know this is like a couple games here this week and next week where their conference will be decided probably or could be decided you know Warsaw Northridge yeah. Northridge plays Northwood the next week so there's a couple games here coming up where it's like and Warsaw plays Northwood, I think, the week after that or two weeks after that. So, a lot of those games that are going to be, like, key in determining who wins the NLC and yeah. things like that. So, and then I, I will be at Fairfield visiting West Noble. Uh, Falcons looking to go 4-0. and West Noble looking for their first win of the season. Uh, so, it'll be an interesting little game there down in Near on the hill, the Charger Hill. Yes. Uh, so... One of the more scenic views and high school football in Indiana on the hill, the sun setting in the background and the trees. And
0: and one of the hikes, too, if you park yeah. in the parking lot and mm-hmm. have to walk up that hill. I'll
1: tell you what, I don't get I, – I, I'm happy you're sending me there. I need to get in shape anyway. So, you know, yeah, very, very intriguing games. And then also uh, the last team from our area uh, that we cover, Lakeland hosting Angola uh, on Friday night. So right. uh, that should be a football game. We'll call it that. So I would hope that's mm-hmm. what that's
0: what they're supposed to be playing is football. So. We'll
1: call it a football game. Will it be
0: competitive? Eh, we'll see. Um, but yeah. you never know. So you never know, right? Yeah. And uh, you had a little uh, little strange game Saturday too <laughs> of your own there, yes, with the uh, Fighting Irish over in South Bend.
1: Yes, college football somehow got played, and we we made it uh, at least through one week. Uh, Notre Dame beat Duke twenty-seven to thirteen. Game was closer than that score probably indicates. Duke was – they moved the ball relatively well against Notre Dame, especially in the first half. Uh, The defense finally clamped down in the second half. Um, The only touchdown that Duke scored came off of a short field. They started at the 39 of the Irish, so they only had to go, you know, 39 yards for the score, and they did. So, you know, props to them for getting into the end zone. Uh, You know – Brian Kelly was asked after the game about the slow start and he kind of gave a a smarmy answer about like, well, we did have spring practice and all this other things and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, yes, that's true. But Duke also put up 151 yards of offense in the first quarter. Notre Dame had seven. So Duke and Notre Dame were in the same position. It wasn't like Duke got spring practices. You know what I mean? So uh, it was a little rusty for Notre Dame, but they ended up pulling through. Um, Kyron Williams, the redshirt Whoa. freshman running back. Yeah, he looked, was impressive. He looked really good. You know, there was, you know, when you hear that, oh, we're going to start a redshirt freshman at running back who's never started a college game, it's like, that's interesting. He must Over
0: be a- – what, fifth-year senior in Javar uh,
1: for he's, re- he's like, I Armstrong? think he's got two more years of eligibility, but he's played three, two seasons, you know. Yeah. Right, you're starting a, over an experienced guy like Jafar Armstrong. You know, Sibo Flemisters had experience. Jameer Smith's had experience, right? So it was kind of eye-raising. It was like, wow, this guy must be doing something in practice. Well, he showed it in the game on Saturday. He I showed mean, it. He was doing something in the game a, Saturday, h- too, yeah. 112 yards rushing and two rushing touchdowns. He had 93 yards receiving as well. Granted, seventy-five of them on one play—a screen pass that they broke off for a big, big, big play. But still, that's a big, still huge play. Yeah, he's the first Notre Dame player since since nineteen ninety-six to have at least ninety yards receiving and rushing in the same game. It's hmm. pretty impressive. So uh, he was the ACC running back of the week, which you know, it's weird to say a Notre Dame player winning a weekly conference award. Yes, because that was an ACC game on Saturday. So. They're 1-0 in the conference, 1-0 overall. They play their one non-conference game this week against South Florida. Charlie Weiss Jr. coming back to town. First time. First time. He's the South Florida offensive coordinator. First time coaching in South Bend since his father was fired in 2009 Mm. uh, for for poor performance, to say the least. Um, So...
0: So it's it's going to be interesting to see how uh, Kelly has the Irish rebound this week. Mm-hmm.
1: You got to think that they're going to. You know, I don't think there's any doubt that they'll win the game. If they lose the game, we have big issues. Like um, South Florida is is not
0: we, if, great. If, if if they lose the game. Brian Kelly may get his chance to be sipping Mai Tais on the beach yes. when they play Texas A&M in 2024.
1: <laughs> well, he might be sipping Mai Tais next week on the beach if, yeah. they, get, if they lose this one. They're a 26-point favorite. Uh, now, granted, they were 20 I was going to say they were a 21-point favorite. Or, still won by 14, but you know, also it, it was definitely not a 14-point game necessarily. No. Uh, so, you know, they're favored by a lot. This doesn't mean they're going to win by a lot. Uh, they should still win the game, but it, it will be interesting to see how they respond. You know, a lot of young guys playing, new guys playing. Right, Williams, the tight end Michael Mayer had a couple of nice catches. He's a freshman. Uh, even guys like Avery Davis haven't played a ton. He caught the touchdown pass from Ian Book. You know, Joe Wilkins hasn't seen a ton of playing time. Uh, they, ha- you know, they had Ben Skoranek get injured in the game, hurt his hamstring. He's going to be out this week probably. So,
0: well, did they say? Have they said anything about Hamilton yet?
1: Hamilton is in a walking boot. I heard that, and he will be day to day basically. So, I would assume that he won't play on Saturday. That would be my
0: assumption too. I
1: saw someone tweet if they were playing Clemson on Saturday, they probably would play him. But if it's South Florida, they could probably give him a week off, bring him back for next week against Wake Forest, or the week after that against Wake Forest. So, well uh, you know, I don't know if he's going to play or not. I would I would assume I would if I were a betting man, I would say he won't just because of the opponent. Yeah. You know, keep him healthy. He he's way too valuable. Or and if he, he
0: does, he won't be on the field very long.
1: Right, right. Him mean, he was flying all over the field that first half against Duke on Saturday. He was everywhere. Yeah. I think he had three tackles and two pass breakups on the first drive alone. I mean, like he was a he, machine.
0: He is definitely a stud.
1: He's really, really good. Yeah. And, uh, so yeah, keep him healthy, you know? So yeah. And, uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, they looked, Notre Dame looked fine. They looked fine on Saturday. Let's hope that's not how they look the rest of the season. Cause if they do, then we have no. issues. Um, but the, the team, you know, we'll see how they play this week. Wake forest a week after that, then an off week. So you get two more games here to kind of figure it out before you get a week off. And, uh, like I said, it should be it should be uh let's let's just look for improvement for Notre Dame on Saturday. Yeah, let's just say that. Right. They, they weren't sharp for sure this past week. No, they were not. You want to see him be sharp. You want to see him, you know, win win Saturday, you know, thirty eight ten or something like that. Just really take it to them, you know, leave no doubt. Like Duke was in that game all the way on Saturday. They were even even. It was with, 17-13 going yeah. into the fourth.
0: So. Well, but even with like two minutes left in the game, he still never felt comfortable. Right with right. Notre Dame's lead.
1: Right, so yeah, it, it's a it's a work in progress season for a lot of teams. So hopefully that work in progress, uh, you know, actually leads to progress for Notre Dame. Right uh, this week.
0: So one thing I thought was noteworthy is they they announced the attendance at ten thousand ninety seven people, mm-hmm. which is. Right. Minuscule for Notre Dame. Right. Compared
1: to seventy eight thousand.
0: Yeah. Brian Kelly said those ten thousand people made a lot of noise.
1: I will say it was a it was a better environment than I was expecting. I wasn't really sure, right, with everyone spaced out and, and it looked it just looked weird. It looked like a spring game. You know, it looked yes, like the spring game. I'm sure, yeah. But it was uh all things considered a good environment, man. The crowd made enough noise. You know, it wasn't like Deafening, obviously, but they made enough noise where you n- noticed them. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I thought it was a solid atmosphere, all things considered, and it was very interesting and kind of funny to see them do the alma mater afterwards, socially distanced. They almost spread out like they were going to do like stretches, you know, yeah. like the pregame stretching, and they were singing the alma mater. Uh, that was kind of funny. The no band, of those
0: guys are arm in arm, and, and right, you know.
1: and the band was all spaced out in the stands, and I was surprised they had they had Duke. Parents were in the stadium too. I guess all parents can attend the games uh, at Notre Dame. So, yeah, uh, it was definitely weird, but also they it was as normal as it could have been. I guess, like, or you know, all things considered, it was relatively normal. Yeah, uh, which was cool. I mean, it was a cool environment. You know, props to the Notre Dame students for come showing up, making noise, you know, and the and doing doing making it as much of a home. Field atmosphere as possible. So I saw
0: a number of posts on Facebook to that effect that they were saying, "Hey, I'm I'm watching Notre Dame football. We're returning to normal."
1: Right. Yeah. It just felt good to watch sports, and that was kind of similar feeling on Sunday watching the Bears game. You know, it was like, "Oh, hey, they're bad again." Yes. Like (laughs) we can we can critique Mitchell Trubisky again instead of just hoping that a season happens in general. So right. Yeah.
0: But to Mitchell's credit. He did come out and throw three touchdown passes in the fourth quarter and lead him to a 27-23 victory.
1: We're just going just to tell Trubisky for the whole game that he's actually down 14, even if it's tied, you know. Maybe right. he'll play well. So. Even
0: on the first series of game. Yeah, right. First you know, play, you're, hey, you're, you're down four- 14 points. You're
1: down 14. So, have, yeah. I would have, if I was at Soldier Field, I'd have the scoreboard always say the Bears are down 14, just so Trubisky knows, you know, to not mess up. Right. So. Yeah, and also on Sunday, Alec Mills threw a no-hitter for the Cubs. Yes. How about that? What a day for Chicago sports, huh? From about 2.30 to 4 o'clock Central Time, you had the Bears come back and win. Mills a no-hitter. The White Sox finished a sweep of the Tigers. You got the Cubs in first place, the White Sox in first place, and the Bears in first place, baby. And the Blackhawks and Bulls are not in last, so that's all that
0: matters. <laughs> yes. So, they're also not playing,
1: but... yeah, Hey, hey, they're not in last place. That's they're all not matters. in last place, yes. So... Good sports day in general for Chicago outside day. That's yeah. One of the better sports days in a long time for the city. So it's very exciting as a Chicagoland native, you know, to be excited about all three of your teams for the first time in forever, you know. It's pretty fun. It's a pretty mm-hmm. fun time. So all
0: right. Uh, anything th- else you like to add, yeah? Well, I think you wanted to mention something about Northridge soccer, didn't you? I did. I did. Thank you for reminding me. They had a me. big weekend here. They
1: did. Northridge boys soccer. Big win over Chesterton. Chesterton was number three at the time. Northridge was number six. Northridge won 3-1. Now they are number three in Class 3A. They are 10-0 uh, on the season. They beat number five Fort Wayne Carroll uh, last week or two weeks ago as well. Uh, this is a team, man. I mean, we talked about them kind of before the season. A lot of seniors. 16 seniors on the roster. You know, very deep roster. Uh man I I I don't know I just got a feeling you know I got a feeling that they could maybe do something here I mean obviously the brackets got to follow their way and you know a lot of the a lot of the teams you know that are ranked are in the Indy area and things like that so they could be the team to beat potentially up north you know to get to Indianapolis for the, the state championship right. and so. you know
0: it's it's got to open your eyes when they beat a team out of the region because right. there's some good soccer played in the region up mm-hmm. there
1: yeah, it's a it's a good good area for soccer. So when Northridge gets them, you know, beats them and you know relatively soundly three one, you know, like wow, that's that opens up some eyes. So you know, Lawrence Baltasar, the coach, has them playing well. Obviously, they haven't let you know they missed the first week and a half of the season because of the Elkhart County mandate, and you know it obviously hasn't phased him. Hasn't seemed to set yeah. him back any. No. So and he mentioned that too before the season. He's like, you know, we got sixteen seniors. If we lose a game early, then whatever. But they haven't lost a game early, so you know they're doing playing really well. And uh, you know the conference runs through them still right now. They've already beaten Northwood. They beat Goshen. They're playing Concord tonight. So yeah, kudos to them so far, man. Ten and zero, number three in their class. I mean, they yeah. they're making some noise. And like I said, if they catch the bright breaks and play what what they've been playing so far, I mean, not state 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 appearance might be in play here for that so it's possible it's possible
0: for sure this year so yeah. Yeah. yeah and uh another note here along the lines of how screwed up this year is <laughs> the u.s men's golf tournament begins thursday yeah at Wingfoot. yeah uh the u.s open should not be played in september no but you know such as it is this year
1: yeah i, I believe this is the first time they're
0: back at winged foot since phil mickelson's 2006 collapse. I think collapse. so. Uh, and I didn't realize this until I saw the story yesterday. They didn't have qualifying for the tournament, qualifiers for the tournament for amateurs this year like they normally do because right. of the COVID. Right. So only invited players are yeah. in the in the field this year.
1: Because usually you'll see like uh, Tony Romo, like he, he did the U.S. Open qualifier a couple times. Right. He almost made it. He's a really good golfer, you know, for an amateur player like Tony Romo, but... Yeah, it's weird. You don't you don't have any in you know just in invitees only. It's really strange. And technically, the PGA Tour season is over as well, which is really weird. They played the Tour Championship two weeks ago, right? But now they're playing the U.S. Open, and they still have the Masters to play as well. So, you know, go it's, figure, right? As as <laughs> as
0: we've all been saying, this is a strange right. year. I
1: believe the Masters is scheduled still for November, I believe. So. Go figure, and a, go figure.
0: A, a shout out about 2020 here to one of our coworkers, Sharon Hyde, in our advertising department. I saw a post on her on her Facebook page this morning. Said she's going to refuse to set her clock back on November 1st when the time changes because she said, "I don't want to go through one more hour of 2020 <laughs> than I have to." <laughs> Amen,
1: Sharon. Amen. So, so
0: I thought that was pretty cute. I felt that spiritually this morning. Yes. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah. All right, and for my odd baseball fact of the week here, and this this is a tough one for me because one it involves the Chicago Cubs, and I remember watching this game. It was on September sixteenth, nineteen seventy five. Mm-hmm. The Cubs lost to the Pirates, Pittsburgh Pirates, twenty two to nothing. Wow. And a, a little known Pittsburgh Pirate player by the name of Rennie Stennett. Tied a major league that record that day by going seven for seven at the plate. Wow! Seven hits in a nine-inning game. Wow, that's incredible. And he got two hits in both the first and the fifth inning of the game.
1: That's incredible.
0: It is intentionally
1: walk him. Like once he's like four for four, yeah, five for five, just put him on first. Man. Seven for
0: seven, he went in that that's game. That's unbelievable.
1: Oh man, that's incredible. Yeah, talk about being dialed in, huh? Locked in on that day. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, I would have retired right there. My batting average could never be higher, right? <laughs> like, that was the best day in the history of, like, hitting. Like It would
0: hard to, it would be hard to top that, yes. Yeah, yeah. So, crazy. All right, folks. That will wrap up another edition of the Goshen News Sports Podcast. And tune in next week.